Welcome back to the Ponder Chat, our dear listeners, and uh, we're joined, Drew and I are joined by our first ever Ponder Chat panel uh, with Dan Esau and Darwin Harder. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Barry. Good. How are you, Drew? Oh, I'm wonderful. Um, you can tell Perry doesn't have many, uh, many two guests on at the same time before because he just he open ends questions to everyone. Hey, you gotta you gotta pinpoint people, Perry. <laughs> you gotta either point exactly. to them or tell them one by one. Come on, rookie. Uh, no, well, they, I'm, they got the they got the hint. Yeah, no, I'm doing wonderful. I'm really excited for this episode. I hope. I don't know. I think our panel's excited for. It. I think we have some very. I was saying before we started recording, some wise minds on on the Ponder chat today. So we're hoping to to yes, I think so to mine some knowledge and thoughts off of them. <laughs> That's the goal. So here. Our, yeah. our two guests we have uh, Dan Esau, pastor of the Leader Alliance Church, and uh, Darwin Harder, who is a missionary with Northern Canada Evangelical Mission in Buffalo Narrows. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about yourselves? Darwin? <laughs> uh, I guess I could add that uh, I spent a couple of years in college with Perry. Um, Sorry about that. I, yeah, I spent one year in college with but that's kind of the connection I have there. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to be back on the, the podcast and get mm-hmm. to chat with my old friends about uh, something that we all are passionate about. Absolutely. Dan, anything to add to Perry's intro? Well, I'm just trying to think. I've come off say I've come off ordination interviews, so my uh, my check and balance on orthodoxy is pretty uh, pretty alert these days. So I'm thinking, okay, what does it mean to be a Protestant or an evangelical, and uh, what do these terms mean? Because all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the meaning of words becomes very very crucial to us. And mm-hmm. I'm cur- it'd be curious to as we listen to or under- talk to each other about what the words actually mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of my, my head's in that game these days. Well, that's wonderful. That's actually a really tra- good transition into our first kind of idea here. And we want we, we were wondering, so uh, to celebrate the Reformation that happened, are we 502 years ago? Is that right? Is that what we say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Something like that. Anyway, so we we're hoping that this episode kind of facilitate a conversation about Protestantism. What does that mean? Um, is it different than any other view? How do we talk about it? Um, what does it mean to us? So to start, I'll start with Dan. Um, in your opinion, what is like a definition of historical Protestantism? And I realize that's kind of like a broad question. If you can try to narrow it down a little for us in like less than 20 minutes, please. That's, that's, our, that's our time frame. <laughs> or if you don't well, want to go first, Darwin, you can go ahead. But uh, good. Uh, historical definition of Protestantism. So just historical, not necessarily theological right now. Protestantism would be those German princes who rejected the Edict of Spears in the 1600s. That's, that's how it starts. This, this edict comes Good out. Definition. Yeah. The Edict of Worms comes out, and then they review it at the Edict of Spears. The Edict of Spears is like, mm. eh, we don't like that. And a bunch of guys, princes and kings and dukes and bishops say, we reject this. We protest against this. And hence, the word, they were the original Protestants. So if you reject the Edict of Spears, you're a Protestant. Huh. That put this to a very short conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> very concise. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're out of here. 
So does that mean we have to be a prince of Germany to continue being a Protestant? <laughs> you have to follow in their footsteps and continue to reject the Edict of Spears. So what was it then that they were rejecting? What were they protesting at? at uh... <laughs> the control of the princes and kings. They, oh. they, didn't want, they didn't want to be under the sovereignty or the supremacy of the higher-ups. They wanted to make decisions for themselves. So each baron, each duchy, whatever, wanted to make their own decisions rather than say there is a blanket authority over the Protestantism is the rejection of authority or the rejection, <laughs> of, the rejection of supremacy. Huh. At the same time, it's a submission to supremacy. We'll get into that. So it's this weird That's line wonderful. between... It's yeah, a rejection and submission to the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, just, it's the same internal principle where I where I reject certain supremacies, and then mm. I am I in, submit myself to other supremacies. So it's it's really the battle or the question of supremacy. Right. Okay. Wonderful, mm. Darwin. What do you have? Do you have anything to add to that? Um, or any thoughts bouncing off of that? Yeah, I don't know if too much uh, to add to that as far as historical. Uh, for me, when I think of Protestantism, mm -hmm. uh, really what I think of is um, basically any branch of Christianity, you could say, um, that, that stems from the, the work of uh, specifically Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, um, right, the, the Protestant reformers um, who yeah, in, in the uh, 1500s did take a stand against um, the authority of the Catholic Church. And, uh, and they said, this is our interpretation of the Bible, and we're going to adhere to that. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd say it's, it's a, a tradition that has, has continued, and I think sometimes in negative ways, um, to, to the point of uh, making unnecessary distinctions. Uh, between between groups and, and what we agree and disagree on but yeah at its root it's it's that protest against one one branch for uh, in the case of the reformation particularly uh, as dan said um, the issue of supremacy and you know is is it the pope and the the holy roman emperor who are supreme or is it uh, the scriptures that are supreme in their authority hmm. or would you consider anabaptist protestants hmm I, I would say they are a product of Protestantism, not necessarily um, like traditional Protestants, because I mean they're they're Protestants against the Protestants. Yeah, yeah, because they're a generation, <laughs> a, se a second generation as they <clears throat> protested or as they withdrew or question again. Question: If we stick with the theme of supremacy, you know, rejected the supremacy of those divisions. Mm. Yeah. Huh, the pro I like that. They're, pro they're Protestants of the Protestants. <laughs> Second generation Protestants. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to try to hash that out for our listeners, but it's basically what it is. They're protesting the Protestants, so you can figure that out yourself, I guess. Well, well the, definition, the definition, Dan, that you gave, I was not expecting. <laughs> no, that, that, that threw me for a bit of a loop. Sorry, boys. Because my question is, was that connected then? Because I'm pleading some ignorance here um, with what you're talking about. Like, I know that, like, Martin Luther and, and his Protestantism, his protests were related to uh, political actions from certain princes. But what you're talking about, that was taking place at the same time. No, shortly as, after. Uh, right, you know, okay. You keep talking. I'm going to look it up here just to, so I'm not talking <laughs> out the side of my head here. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 1526, the Holy Roman Empire, they met in Spire mm. in Germany. Uh, they suspended they, the Edict of Worms. Hmm. So, so the definition that it's interesting, the definition you're giving is much more related to politics than theology. Right. Well, you did which ask was, for histor- historical. I definition. did ask for historical. Right. So that, right. That, that might exactly. be on me there. I emphasize that historical. Because <laughs> that's the first time that they were called Protestants after the okay. rejection of the Edict expired. So mm-hmm. but I think I think Darwin's probably far closer to what we would interpret as the definition of Protestants, those like Calvin and Luther and Zwingli and Huss and Knox, well, Huss would predate them, but uh, Knox, who rejected the, the tenets or the authority of the supremacy of the Catholic Church. I think that would be the normal understanding right. of a Protestant. I mean, this whole issue mm-hmm. of the Diet of Worms is, is a historical niche, but that's when the word was first used. So if you want to be wordy or technical, that's the historical. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a good, good point. Well, and it, it is re- so related to politics because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had Lutheranism if it wasn't for those princes who embraced Lutheranism, like Protestantism wouldn't have been able to, to, to spread because the Catholic church was in bed with the Holy Roman. Like it was just very, yeah. it was very political in that way. So um, yeah. that's, yeah, that's really interesting. But uh, Darwin, what was the main issue uh, theologically? I think you've, you may have said it, but uh, let's just, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I think for for Luther, anyways, um, it, it began really as an issue related to indulgences and whether or not um, the way that the Catholic Church was uh, using indulgences was appropriate according to Scripture. Um, I think what it really evolved into was a matter of does the Catholic Church have the authority to uh, to tell us everything that we need to believe. Um, mm. Uh, I think partly because uh, Luther's concerns weren't uh, really taken up and the, the church didn't try to really respond to the, the points that Luther was making. They just tried to uh, silence him. And I think that, um, that, that caused him to realize that it's more than just indulgences that's, that's at issue here. Uh, it's the, the, the Christian's relationship to Holy Scripture um, and and what uh, what that means, you know, what does it mean for the church to have authority? Where does that authority stop? If I may, because Darwin, you're kind of hitting around this this next question I've been wanting to ask for. You kind of hit around it a few times here, um, especially when you talked about earlier how we sometimes unnecessarily distincted ourselves from Catholic or mm-hmm. Roman Catholic. We 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 kind of made these divides that weren't really necessary. So. The question then is, is what are some key distinctions of Protestantism? So like what keeps us in the Protestantism camp and distincts us, but not so much that we're not part of that camp anymore. Does that make sense? Like what, what, what is, what are some key points that Protestantism has that came out of the Reformation? I guess is my question. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, probably the key point of, of Protestantism as opposed to Catholicism is our relationship with uh, church tradition, the authority of the church um, to interpret scripture. I would say that's the main difference. Um, in, in Protestantism, we have a very, um, I guess, radical, you could say, um, 
belief about the authority of scripture that scripture alone is authoritative the church doesn't have the authority uh to interpret what all christians for all time must believe whereas i think the catholics would have a much uh, stronger view of the authority of the church um as as a a whole church body but specifically uh the pope and and the bishops to be able to say this is what the bible is means and and that interpretation being authoritative right like i think if you're talking about the five solas then you kind of can lay out a, a historical framework of what is it sola scriptura sola fide sola gratia sola christos and deo gloria you know the, the scripture alone faith alone grace alone christ alone and the glory of god alone they became mm-hmm. the five tenets of 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 Protestantism, but I would put it as three tenets. That is fundamentally, it's the the embrace of the authority of Scripture over all things, versus right. the which versus as as Darwin talked about the the authority of the church, uh, the priesthood of all believers, and mm-hmm. then the supremacy of grace over all things. Mm. I think if you can sum it to those where we talk about yes, this there is a final authority. We are all called into the priesthood, and there is this final supremacy. I think that becomes kind of one of the the, the central um, tenant of Protestantism. Mm. The other side of it, I think, you know, having had this debate with, with uh, my Roman Catholic neighbors for, for many years, it's about the means of grace. We right, as Protestants yeah. say, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, right? Not a work so that no one can boast. And where Catholicism says, no, the means of grace are the sacraments. Um, and so that imputation versus impartation. So when I talk to people about what it means to be a Protestant, I say, how do we get grace? What's the little truck that carries grace? Is it five little trucks that you keep kind of refilling like, like tanks at a gas station? Or is it this one giant truck of, of the merits of Christ? So I would define a Protestant as someone who the means of grace is faith in the atonement, a, a single encounter. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to sum up the a key a key distinctive one singular well and and uh i think his going back in history you know thinking about authority and who they're uh, rejecting as authority and who they're embracing as their authority like a major thing was rejecting papal supremacy uh and you see that say with um with the english reformation you know it's funny when as an anglican i talk to people and they say oh your church was started by a guy who wanted to divorce his wife well it had a lot more to do. Hundred <laughs> percent true. Hundred percent true. <laughs> but yes, but it That's also it. had to do with the fact that this guy was tired of a king was tired of somebody in Europe telling him what to do, telling him what to do in his own country. And yeah. uh, obviously, that's a really simplified version of it. But that opened the doors. Like there was already there were already people within the church who were being um, influenced by Protestant ideals. But that was a huge part of it as well. I think is like you were saying at the beginning, Dan, where these princes are are no longer really wanting to submit to rome like it's 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 breaking up i think that was this this idea of rome being the supreme uh ruler of the world was breaking up at that time yeah you alluded to early period you can't divorce the protestant reformation from the politics of frederick the third you know because his papal his power and and the politics of Germany, you know, the, the Little Ice Age, the, the Black Plague, all the environmental factors that were occurring mm-hmm. in Germany, Germany's need for armament against the Turks. Like, there are 
it's not just Luther read a book and went, wow, I think you're wrong. It was, there was politics, there were environmental issues, there were cultural issues, the rise of the peasant class, uh, you know, there was poverty. Like I say, if you look historically, the Little Ice Age, and all these things come into play and almost like the birth of Christ where they all reach a critical mass and then something happens. And so we take all these mm. political, economic, and social, and then, you know, the rise of the printing press contributes mm. to the Protestant Reformation. You can't have the Protestant Reformation without the printing press. Yeah. You can't have America without the printing press because the Mayflower's beam broke mm -hmm. on, the trans on the journey over, and it was the printing press with a screw they turned to hold the back of the ship in place. They would have sunk the Mayflower if it had literally not been for the printing press. So <laughs> you can't devoid technology and culture mm. and environment so I think if we talk about the Protestant Reformation, it's, it's beautiful to talk about it as a theological experience, mm -hmm. but I think we have to talk about it as a political, cultural, economic, social, and environmental occurrence. And I, as a good Protestant, believe this is the hand of God. <laughs> weaving all, you know, I'm not a Calvinist, but I say these are the weaving of all these factors together that in the fullness of time, you know, to, to misquote, um, the, the birth of Christ, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth Martin Luther. Ooh, is that risky? <laughs> but to be the completion of those elements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, yeah, it, it's, uh, we, I, I think that discussion of politics back then during the time of the Reformation helps us understand the relationship between Protestants and Catholics today. But just going back and, sorry, go ahead. Say, and you can't divorce being a Protestant or an evangelical from politics today. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, but you'd be a rare bird. <laughs> right. Hmm. But I think the interesting thing about the Reformation and the Protestant movement, if we want to call it that, is that it, it seemed to open the door with everything else that was going on. It seemed to open the door to, to modernism or to pre-modernism, like leading the way where uh, supremacy is no longer held within the doors of the Vatican within within Rome, but now it's in <laughs> it's in what I believe, and I think that's mm -hmm. you know that's a really interesting thing about Protestantism is that it's no longer and that's a criticism <laughs> of Protestantism from Catholics is that you know everybody there's so many denominations that uh, everybody everybody submits to their own authority rather than uh, a, a different authority. So is yeah. there any any response to that, Darwin? I, think I would add, um, it's, it's not necessarily a, a criticism of Protestantism that it paved the way to uh, what came after it. Mm -hmm. um, it. It's been a long time since I've read it, but uh, I have a book. Uh, it's called Why You Think the Way You Do. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, basically an analysis of the, the postmodern Western worldview based on the history of everything that came prior and as he walks through the history from really from ancient Rome, the time of Christ, like the, the Roman conquest of the known world paved the way for Christianity. And then, um, you know, the subsequent collapse of Rome paved the way for the, the Holy Roman Empire, you know, this, this essentially Christendom uh, to, to take over most of Europe, Middle East, North Africa. Um, but then, you know, all of that and the way that uh, the way that Christianity rose to such prominence really paved the way for right, the abuses that happened within the Catholic Church and, and the corruption that um, began to pervade, which then, you know, 
all of those social, political, economic, environmental factors, right, they paved the way for the Reformation to happen, which then paved the way for, you know, pre-modernism, modernism, the Industrial Revolution, Scientific mm-hmm. Revolution, um, which, which all really paved the way to um, evangelicalism and fundamentalism and all of those things that, you know, we've seen in more recent history. Uh, and then that's all paved the way to postmodernism. Uh, and to really what we're what we're seeing in the world now, um, I don't know if I'd say it's completely inevitable that these things all happen, um, but but it's really interesting to see how you know one one guy he was at the right place at the right time, right, Martin Luther, and he said some things, and look at everything that's happened because of it. Hmm. Um, but I think we're we're in a similar situation now where maybe it's not going to be just one guy, you know, there's a lot more information flying at people from every direction, but where we're at today, we're paving the way for what's, what's coming in the future. Yeah. History is not a, you can't divide, chop history up. It's a long line mm-hmm. and we just arbitrarily create periods, times, you know, the with numbers, <laughs> like, you know, the sixties, we call it as if in 1969, yeah. there was a line in the sand of culture, you know, or the, like say <laughs> pre-modernism, post-modernism, you know, whatever, they're all linear. It's not a, a Lego block of ideas. So you're right, Darwin, each one shapes mm. and each one is shaped and it's far more fluid than, than we would uh, as historians like it to be. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Especially when we're talking about the Reformation. It was one day, one day that's it right. happened October and it was 35th. done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it after that. <laughs> All these denominations came out. That's how it happened. Like, like, like who's the Greek God born, you know, as a man born full, you know, fully born. It's like, boop, popped up, you know, ideas don't do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's Except, well, that's the thing, like, I, like going back to the English Reformation where people say, oh, the Anglicanism is, like I said, because of Henry wanting to divorce his wife, but there were people already chomping at the bit to reform the church, you know, like it wasn't just, uh, didn't just, happen one day but so that's why we talk um, about people, sorry, sorry but that's why we talk about people like us who you know were 100 years before mm, Luther. yeah exactly are, tyndale these guys are paving the way for exactly. the events to come they're just the pre-reformers yeah. we call them but yeah, they were proto reformers, reformers. Yeah. yeah exactly oh yeah saint francis in the catholic church who was called a reformer of the catholic church i don't yeah. know why Luther wasn't received as well as uh, Francis. <laughs> who was the guy who had the armies of children that went around burning objects, the bonfire of the vanities? He would send out his innocence. Oh, I just listened to a podcast on him the other day. And he was a Catholic reformer and he, he was opposed to the excesses and he would send out children by the thousands into the streets and they would go to your home and burn your art and your books. and What? I'll look it up. You guys keep talking. I, I don't know if I believe you, Dan. I need some, <laughs> I, I need some, I need some sources here. Yeah, just give me, give me, just give me a minute. Yeah, we'll just pause for a brief you just keep, intermission. You just keep talking. That's wild. That's a wild yeah. story. That's crazy. And so he was. <laughs> this guy was a Catholic, and he was I going. He, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, that's very. Just give me a few minutes to look it up. That that's another thing that makes this is totally random. Maybe it's just a time waster. But I think we never ever <laughs> talk. We don't really talk about like the amount of like bloodshed that went on oh, through the reformation yeah. right yeah. like it had it was pretty brutal but we don't really talk about that hey we just talk about oh yeah we divided from the roman catholic church and that's basically it it's like well if you do some historical reading it a lot of people died like 
Yeah. And it's crazy. We they died over divisions of faith, like belief. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm just saying I'm happy that's not how we divide today. <laughs> yeah. Although sometimes <laughs> uh, we're pretty close, it seems like just in splits and stuff. But anyways, that was my break. Dan, did you find it? Okay, I got it. Yeah, it's uh Savonarola in fourteen nine in the early fourteen nineties in Florence. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> uh uh, the bonfire of the vanities took place in Florence in 1497. The focus of the destruction was on objects that might tempt one to sin, including such vanity items as mirrors, cosmetics, dresses, playing cards, musical instruments. Other targets included books, which he deemed to be immoral, manuscripts of secular songs, artworks, including paintings and sculpture. Starting in February 1495 during Carnival, he sent out his, it goes on and on and on, but uh, he sent out his little troops and they burned piles of stuff so look up savonrola and the uh, medici's in 1495 and the bonfire of the vanities i feel like my whole house just be burnt down <laughs> come in and burn my whole house now <laughs> all your lord of the rings figures man they're gone yeah That's gone all <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the harry potter <laughs> oh, yeah. oh well don't get started yeah, don't even get started on that <laughs> no that's crazy wow yeah There's that's a precur- precursor to the to the uh, reformation that was right? That was very near the Reformation. Yeah, it's to Martin Luther. Yeah. These things happen and they all, it, it's like the plague came to, to Wittenberg in 1517, right? So Luther's dealing with the plague now. And, and again, all these, I mean, I'm rattling this a little too long, but it's, it's all these pieces pulling together that produce mm-hmm. this moment of complete revolution that I now can confess to God alone. Like you think about it, all these historical events end up with some little serf in his cottage in Germany going, I don't need to confess to a priest. And he's there by himself saying, you know, God, I met and, and, and you receive forgiveness. It's remarkable. All right. So this is the, this is a question that I've been thinking about a lot is, are we able to define Protestantism without saying what we aren't? So what I mean by that is the the way that I, we seem to define Protestantism today is by saying we're not Catholic. Uh, so how can we, how can we, is there a way to define Protestantism today in a more positive way? Uh, and this might lead into other discussions of, is it even uh, an appropriate word anymore <laughs> to be using? You know, what, it, especially, sorry, this is going to, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail now, but back in, June, I did an interview with the Catholic theologian, Scott Hahn, and uh, released that in September. And, and we just had a wonderful conversation. And, you know, I, we disagree with things, of course, um, seeing as I'm a Protestant. <clears throat> but I said to him, what would you say to Protestants? What would you say to evangelicals? And he said, thank you for loving our Lord, and thank you for being dedicated to Scripture. Like, he was very positive toward evangelicals and uh anyways he connected me to a fellow uh down south of saskatchewan that he knew this catholic fellow and he called me this guy from southern saskatchewan and we were talking away and he was saying you know he was at long story i said yes i'm an orthodox protestant anglican and uh he said yeah we really need to stick together uh us orthodox roman catholics and protestants because there's liber- there's a different religion in our church in our catholic church and in our protestant churches there's a different religion it's a liberal I'll, I, this isn't what he said but i'll say it anyways postmodern 
kind of Christianity. Um, and so when I, when he said that, I thought that is very interesting, uh, even in regards to evangelicals and Catholics together, coming together in the nineties and writing a statement on justification saying, we actually agree a lot more on justification than not. And, uh, and of course there's the story of RC Sproul jumping on the table and, and condemning his Protestant brothers for signing this statement. But, uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, it was, it's a, when that fellow said that to me, that we have to stick together, I thought, what is dividing us then? What does it mean then to be a Protestant today? So uh, uh, that's a lot, but uh, any reflections on that? Um, I think, like, just, it's hard. I, I find this really tough to find the differences, mainly because, like, I've met many different types of catholics and by that i just mean some like you know the kid who was baptized when they were young and doesn't mm-hmm. do anything about it then you have the catholic who's devout catholic and will be there every sunday and then you have somewhere in the middle and they all believe different things um and so are we talking about people who take their faith seriously like is that what we're talking Ooh. about here hmm. that's a question for you perry um what can what do you mean well, like for Catholic. Protestants, yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is uh, we have we have the Roman Catholics over here, and then yeah. we have this huge swath of Protestants, and we don't even agree on pretty much everything. <laughs> on anything. And uh, yeah. Yeah. and then you have the subcategory of evangelicals, and we don't agree on on everything. Yeah, Perry, that's the question I was going to ask. Can you? define protestant without being evangelical like classical protestantism can you say you're a protestant but not an evangelical or are like are all evangelicals protestants but not all protestants evangelical <laughs> <laughs> so you know well, there, people, are, there are evangelical catholics <laughs> yeah that's right and there would be yeah so you know to say i'm a protestant at do i how far down the subcategory do i have to get before i can create a working definition you know hmm. i'm like I'm holiness, right? I'm I'm 19th century holiness. That's the alliance. We're we're born. So I'm a right. Protestant, Presbyterian, 19th century holiness rural pastor who works in a former congregational church who was Zion congregational up until 1973. Are we all just big Protestant pot? So, um, I, I would define Protestantism without being negative um, as saying we are those who hold truth to be self-evident. All right. I got to uh-huh. back this up. I got to back this up a little bit. If you go back to the Scottish enlightenment, are we talking a language? Everybody understands the Scottish enlightenment. Uh, let's they, say, let's say for our listeners who don't, and me humbly. Yeah. <laughs> late, late 1600s, moving into the 1700s, just before the American revolution. Um, there's a wave of enlightenment that goes through the, Scottish church, which is tied to people like Descartes and David Hume, the okay. rationalists. And the Scottish, uh, called, it's called Scottish common sense philosophy. And the Scottish common sense philosophers taught that truth can be arrived at through common sense, through every man can figure out truth mm. for himself. Thomas, uh, what's the guy who signed, writes the Constitution? Not Thomas Jackson. Um, Jefferson. Jefferson. So Jefferson is a student of the, you, you can't study Great. American 
18th century school or thought without studying common sense philosophy. So Jefferson writes this and he says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal blah, 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 and so on the constitution, right? But it's born out of this understanding that, that truth can be arrived at through reason, self-evident. And so American Christianity is born out of Scottish common sense philosophy and the American mindset, worldview, all that is born out of, we hold these, all men are created equal, right? That's also. So I think a Protestant is someone who says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Me, myself, can find sufficient evidence to live by, enact, believe, whatever follow-up mm -hmm. language you want to do, of the truth. Or I would say, within the Catholic hierarchy, there is, truth is not self-evident. It is evident but not only self-evident. It is also evident through uh, when the Pope speaks at Cathedra, through the writings of the mm. fathers, that truth can be imparted. Whereas a person, I say, every person in the pew can come to a place of truth because truth is self-evident. But I am a child directly, or in, well, in my case, academically directly, of the Scottish Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So that, for me, that's what it means to be a Protestant. I can find truth. I hold these truths to be self-evident. Mm. Huh. Darwin, do you have anything to add to that? If not, I got another question for you lined up here. So if you don't, that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I find it really interesting to, to look at that. And then so comparing, right, Protestantism and Catholicism, um, that it seems to come down then to, to a difference of philosophy, um, you know, a more older traditional historical philosophy of truth uh, as opposed to a more um, modern philosophy of what truth is or what what how truth is obtained yeah um, i agree Durbin. the peasant couldn't come to terms with truth couldn't come to that truth mm -hmm. where we say the peasant can yeah hmm. that's good insight but the, but the catholic church isn't like that anymore though i know no. what you but i know i know what you mean though like there's still this magisterium that right. you have to submit to you know, there's the, I think it's a joke that uh, Vatican II was the Protestantizing of, of the Roman Catholic Church, of, uh, of opening up the, the Catholic Church to the world and opening it up for the laity. Like, so, you know, even that is an interesting piece of historical, um, uh, historical, what would you call it? Uh, event, uh, historical event in the history of Protestantism, uh, Protestantism, even, oh, that's a tongue twister, but <clears throat> so, hmm, that's interesting. So would you say that idea that, um, like everyone can understand, um, we, the scripture, everyone can, it's common sense, as you kind of said. Uh, would you say that's what unifies Protestants today then? Um, mm. Or how is there another means in which we unify as one? Does that make sense? Because there's so many different branches, but what actually does unify us? Is it the script, sola scriptura mm. like, or the, the five solas? Is it the idea we can all have that common sense thinking and, and be led to Christ? Um, Either all, any of you, if you have any insight on that. So, what, what does unite us then? Is it just the fact that we can, um, we don't need someone else outside scripture for truth? I guess is is the question. But what unifies let, us? Let it's me throw a question at, at you, at Drew. Has the modern word faith movement and the charismatic movement rejected the five solos? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna punt that one over to Perry. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? Sure. I'm pleading ignorance. What do you think? Okay, if, if I'm I get to think go, it, yeah, I'm trying if to, I get to go to heaven, head. so I get to go to heaven, and Jesus talks to me and gives me direct revelation, and God tells me, and uh, you know, all these, it's this the spirit speak, and I'm I'm, I'm alive, so the spirit speaks, and uh, you know, but saying that the spirit told me, you know, and this rejection of any authority outside of this internal authority that the spirit told me is is not contained in the five solas. It's faith alone, scripture mm-hmm. alone, word alone, you know, the authority for the glory of God alone. It's not, oh yeah, and the spirit told me to do this, which is another appeal to authority, right? Huh. Is that the sixth? I, I'm sorry, I'm sidereading your question, Drew. No, no. Is, would, would modern word of faith people be Protestants? Hmm. I'll leave that to you, Perry. <laughs> punt down, just punt down to Darwin. <laughs> I, I think, can I call a friend? Your question about uh, my Anabaptists. I, I think they've, um, they've taken the principles of Protestantism and the Reformation and they've, they've taken them a step further, right? That now they've, they've got their um, understanding of things. They're going to reject the authority of maybe the five solas and, and maybe add their six, right? Yeah, um, I I think in ways they've they've swung too far away from you know the authority of scripture and the authority of the church, and then they they've almost I I don't want to say they've elevated the authority of the Holy Spirit too far because you can't really do that. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, elevated the authority of your own your own ability um, to hear from the Spirit. Yeah, God told me mm-hmm, that trumps exactly. everything. But I mean, the, the the one thing I'm thinking of is like the five solas. That's I mean, yeah, that that's a biblical concept. But that's not. Look, my point is is things that um, Pentecostals or, or charismatic people do. It's in the Bible. Like events like that happen in the Bible. So you can't. I just want to make sure we're not like discounting. Like no, that cannot happen right. because then we're kind of discounting the spirit working, yeah, like legitimately working, right? So I don't I don't know yeah. if we're doing that. I think we're just differentiating Protestant and and charismatic movement, right? Is that right? Okay, and, yeah. I just want to be clear for everyone else. Like we're not. Yeah. Bashed, yeah. I don't like, want to deify the five solas. Yes. yes. And say that's the be all and end all. <laughs> but if we're talking about lines. Yeah. Yes. You know, the, the classical Protestant line does not include, you know, uh, until we get to Azusa and, and all those things, events historically. Right. Um, but Darwin, you know, you actually brought up a really good point is that within the, I, I'm uh, good friends with one of the pastors at a Hutterite colony here. And I have a lot of Mennonite conservative Mennonite prints, and they would put tradition um, hmm. within the hierarchy of authority, you know, especially within the Hutterite movement where you only preach what you are given. There's 365 sermons. You read those every day. You read them in high German. There is no place for, for application or transition or, or, or anything. You just read that. That's the authority of tradition. Hmm. And so if I, and if you look at our Mennonite, you know, friends, how, how you now it's on not anymore but at one time you know you couldn't play cards you couldn't go to bowling lanes there were all kinds of authority and the church i have the 1923 mennonite church policy manual right you can't go into business with non-believers you can't go to public swimming pools bowling lanes pool halls and you know i, I don't find that in the book um, mm. so we also have a, a community with within our uh, many of our own experiences that has an authority of tradition that equals and I, you might be willing to argue supersede scripture I, I'm, I'm on the edge of that 
but well, certainly equals the authority of scripture. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and just an anecdote from my own family history, uh, my great uncle was a minister of an old colony Mennonite church and he was fired and, and kicked out of the church in, I think it was the, the 1960s. Um, and so he actually founded along with a couple other families, the church where I grew up in, Ooh. and it was over this issue of tradition mm. and scripture. Um, you know, the, the bishop had given him a box of sermons and said, here, these are your sermons, preach these. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't really feel like preaching those. And so he would open up his Bible and he would just read from the Bible and explain it to his people. Uh, and that, that flew in the face of tradition and that was not acceptable. And, and so they, they expelled him from the church for it. Huh. Yeah. So, so, so we have these, sorry, sorry, the, these other ideas of what it means to be a Protestant then. Because your, your, your uncle, you said? Your great uncle? My great uncle, yeah. Yeah, your great uncle was a Protestant, except against the old colony Mennonites. Once <laughs> exactly. reformed, yeah. always reformed. Once protesting, always protesting. Hmm. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to ask. Is, is, is protesting inherent to being a Protestant, being an evangelical Protestant even? Because uh, that's what Darwin uh, Drew asked. Are, do we, are we defined, I think you did too, Perry. Are we defined by what we uh, support and agree, or are we, are, is our identity caught up in what we're against? Hmm. And I think you've rooted that. It's, it's, we don't agree with the Catholics, therefore we are this, versus saying, no, this is who we are, what we stand for, and there's overlap within our, our Catholic neighbors where we can you know, stand together. That defines us. Yeah, good question. Am I defined by my action, inaction, by my agreement or my disagreement? Hmm. So in the... Oh, pardon me. Oh, I, I just want to get Perry's view on the tradition in Scripture. Oh, as, I was a good, say. as a good Anglican, Perry, where do you stand on that? So it's interesting because a lot of Anglicans and Lutherans don't like to call themselves Protestants. They call themselves Catholic, but not Roman Catholic. Mm. They call themselves Anglo-Catholic Anglo or lots of Lutherans say they're the true Catholic Church. Hmm. Um, so within that there is, okay. I don't know why I said that. It was interesting. I thought, I, I thought it was going to help with what I was saying, but, uh, <laughs> got to the end and there's I no guess I'm, left. I'm modifying that Anglicanism is not, uh, necessarily reformational. Like it's not, it's not whole, uh, like the whole Anglican communion is not reformational in that. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, all those things. It's pretty rough. Um, yeah. Right. Um, okay, but in the Anglican world, there's a belief of reason and tradition uh, that go alongside um, Scripture. But there's also the belief that Scripture is the ultimate authority, uh, but, it's, but it's tradition and reason that are valued, that are held to a high standard um, that that are appealed to within the church, and that are, and, and so we kind of find our unity around bishops and all that, uh, who 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 bring the tradition. So, like, <clears throat> yes, we have lots of tradition, but there's a lot of uh, modern Anglican churches who are doing away, who I'd say are conservative. <laughs> there's a whole different conversation with liberal Anglican <laughs> churches. <laughs> um, but conservative Anglican churches who are trying to reach out, who are trying to be evangelical, like evangelistic in that way, um, and are saying tradition is not necessary um, because it's what it's scripture that matters. We can hold on, like 
tradition is inherent to Anglicanism, I would say, um, but that doesn't mean that we have to hold on to every single tradition uh, to be Anglican and to be, a, you know, so within the, like even even there, it's hard to say this is what we are as Protestants because it's very much more a sub-category. But that's what that's what tradition is. Is that yes, tradition is important. Reason is important. Like studying philosophy, appealing to the church fathers, but being but but also saying scripture is the ultimate authority here. And how is scripture? And I think that's that's where the Reformation element come, like Anglicanism is very uh, middle of the road. Catholicism, Protestant, <laughs> bringing, bringing the two worlds together. Um, so, and, yeah, anyways. That's interesting, Craig, because within fundamentalism and the edges of, of evangelicalism, there's an anti-rationale, anti-reason. Yeah, like, exactly. Humanites don't send their kids to Bible school, right? And if you go back to the Scopes Monkey trial and all that kind of stuff, where there was a rise of yeah. anti-intellectualism, where yeah. you're painting a portrait of Protestantism as being, and, and I would argue too, you know, the pro-reason, pro-science, pro-rational yeah. thought. And then exactly. we look at what's happening in the world around us, and we go, we sure don't look pro-reason, pro-rational, <laughs> pro, you know, pro-pro pro logic. Um, yeah. That's the appearance of it. Um, so I, I, again, as, as we wrestle back, you know, we, we keep turning the circle back to the center. But what does it mean to be a Protestant? You know, is Protestantism <laughs> defined by uh, submission to reason, submission to tradition, submission to community, or is it as it is now, which is me and God? Hmm. And I can start my own church if I don't like yours, because God told me I can get divorced. God told me I can go start my own church, and believe me. And that's where I see, I struggle if that's what Protestantism is. I, I always think Protestantism, in many ways, is someone who has a distaste in their mouth. It's just someone who's bitter. Got a, their distaste yeah. for the church, distaste for tradition, distaste for authority. Don't you use that Greek with me? Like you know, um, they have a, a gen, just a genuine distaste. Where you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's great, but that's part of the definition. So is a Protestant mm. someone who appeals to reason, logic? You know, Hobbes and and those people are they part of our tradition, or is it mm. God told me, and that you know my my you Bible know? says that. I was thinking. That, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Oh, Darwin. go ahead, Darwin. Okay, so that that goes back to uh, a question that was brought up uh, a little while ago. But is this this idea of um, common sense philosophy right? That you know everyone has the capacity to find truth through reason. Is that something that unites us as Protestants? Ooh. And I think. The, the idea of it, like we are united around this idea that we all have the capacity to find truth, but then our practice of that philosophy ends up really dividing us mm -hmm. because we all say, well, no, I am capable of finding out what truth is. And so if you find out a truth that's different than mine, then yours is wrong and mine is right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. What a paradox, hey? What a great observation. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. that, that begs the question, is the word Protestant even useful? Like, is that even a word we should use today? Like, is it, well, is it, is it helpful for, is it worth using? Is it helpful for defining mm. who we are? Because like you said, we're basically all, every denomination protested against the denomination before. Okay. And, and it's just like, this is I ongoing. Think so, when correct. we use that, when we use that term, we, we always seem to have to qualify it. 
Yes, like exactly. to see, I'm a Protestant, but I'm an Anglican, and so this is what. Mm-hmm. So I'm an Anglican Protestant. Dan is an Alliance Protestant. Not that I'm putting words in your mouth, but no, that's no, but just, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it seems like. We have to use the term now. Is we're all a different kind of Protestant. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So that's why I say, is it worth using that word? Like, what do you? Is that still a value in society in the church? Is it still a value? To say, I'm a Protestant. I know. I, I had a Catholic colleague said, I'm a Catholic. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not Roman Catholic. So what are you then? Mm. Like, well, I'm a, I'm a Protestant evangelical. It's like, what does that mean? So, mm. so like, I'm trying to hash this out. Like, what does it mean? Before, like, I was like, yeah. he's like, what church do you go to? I was like, the Alliance Church on top of the hill. Well, that's a Catholic. I was like, no, it's not a Catholic. And so I had this weird conversation, right? And like, granted, he wasn't very like engaged in the conversation. He's just curious. But I mean, the, I got that again. That question to both of you: it, Is Protestantism is Protestant a helpful word? Do you think to define your faith? Like, is that what you'd say? I guess. True. Hmm. I think we need to uh, just go back to using the term Catholic the way that the Church Fathers used it, and then we're just we're all Catholics because we're all part of the true Church, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and unless we that, don't believe in Jesus, or you know, we yeah. we're heretics or something. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, the Apostles' are... Creed doesn't say, I believe in the Protestant church. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that, I, that's I, equal I, to scripture, right, Perry? The, the Apostles' Creed or what? I, yeah. I know people who won't say that line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's context. Um, right. There are certain, oh, first off, Drew, by being Christian Missionary Alliance, no one knows what you are anyway. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> no one knows what we are, right? We're just kind of the outcasts. I just tell people I'm a spirit-filled Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm going to steal that one. They don't get that either. Um, it is the context in which you speak. So if, if you're at a ministerial and, you know, and you're, te- yeah, you know, in your case, Drew, you could say, yeah, I'm part of the 18th or the 19th century holiness movement. Yeah. Anybody with two cents of history goes, all right, you're, you know, this is Moody, Wesley. Mm. This is your route, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for the man, for the guy, if I'm at the post office and somebody says, what do you do? You know, I'll, I'll say I'm a, I'm a pastor at the Alliance church, you know, and, that's usually enough for people in a small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. I think if you said you're an evangelical in some context, somebody's going to throw a rock at you because you're probably wearing a MAGA hat or you know something <laughs> that assumption, right? Right. Um, yeah. But I, I would definitely say I'm a Protestant because I'm rooted in that history. You know, I draw my my historical exactly. my church family yeah, roots. Yeah. I can tell you all the way back to Napoleon, right? To to I, that uh, my family story goes back to those days when Napoleon's army went through Russia kidnapped or took all those little boys off to look after the animals as they invaded Russia. Two of them ran away and survived. Those two brothers are my family roots. I go, my Anabaptist roots go right back to 1517. Like, you know, not whenever Napoleon invaded Russia. Um, so for me, yeah, I'm a Protestant and I'm rooted in the work of Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and Haas, you know, today you burn a turkey, but a hundred years from now an eagle will arise, right? Um, but I don't think that's important for most people. You know, I sit mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. I don't think it, it barely matters. And I got to be careful that we're Christian and missionary alliance. Drew, you know, right. yeah. you know that. So I think context, no context, yes. Whom I'm talking to, Protestant, I'm rooted in that. But person right. on the street, I follow Jesus and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a minister. And then once they go, they'll either talk to you more or talk to you less. Either right. start and, swearing or stop swearing. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I think by needing to say like anything past that I'm a Protestant, you're creating separation from the Catholic 
church, which I don't think is right anyway. I mean, I'm not, do you mean like you're almost segregating for no need in there? Um, Unless there's a reason you mm -hmm. want to segregate or need to segregate. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Like if you're doing communion and you're at a Catholic church, you probably wouldn't take the host. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. When I go to Catholic mass, I can't receive because I'm not a Catholic. Right, because you're Protestant. Can you not receive? Is that that how you can't? Or you you put your arms across your chest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. And I'll you give you a that? blessing. And you get, yeah, you get a blessing. Well, at least you get a blessing out of it. It's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, Darwin, did you have anything to add to that, that that use of the word Protestantism or Protestant? I mean, that was a great answer to you, uh, Dan. I don't know. It was way too long. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that's okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> I think because it, it's such a broadly applied and broadly used term, yeah, totally. Um, again, you know, in a lot of contexts, it's probably not very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. In other contexts, maybe it is. I know for, for me in my context, uh, it is helpful and important to distinguish that I'm not a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it depends who you're talking to. I, I had a conversation a while ago with somebody and they ask, you know, what I do up here, what I'm, why I moved up to, you know, the middle of Northern Saskatchewan. And, and I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm here working with the, the community church. And, and he commented, well, you know, as long as you guys aren't like those Catholics. Hmm. And because, the, you know, in, in our community, the, the Catholic church, if you're a Catholic, you know, it, you've got a pretty good reputation amongst yourselves. But amongst everyone else, the Catholics don't have a great reputation. Um, and that's due to, right. a, you know, a lot of history, um, the, the way that the Catholic Church has historically um, been known to behave in, at least in Canada, especially in northern com- Canada and indigenous communities. Um, there, there's a lot of negative history there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, even just the, the, the different kinds of Catholics, you know, as I forget who mentioned uh, it was Drew or Perry, but, um, you know, you've got Catholics who are very, very devout and very committed to uh, understanding Catholic doctrine and teaching. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Catholics who show up to mass two or three times a year and, you know, they were baptized as babies and so they're good. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seems in, in my community anyways, uh, the Catholic tradition uh, is more, um, more representative, you know, of that, that latter group who they show up to mass once in a while. Um, they, you know, they bring their kids to get baptized as soon as they're born and, and, you know, they want the priest to do their funeral. Right. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. The context that, uh, that amplifies the meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very interesting. Um, I noticed last time, Dan, you took a sip of water. Your water's almost out. So I, I you're on mute there. I think though. I, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, no, it's good. You keep okay. Going. Okay. I don't, I just don't want to hold anyone too, oh, no, it's too long. I got nothing, nothing to do. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> uh, Perry, do you have anything else you want? Any other questions for these guys? I think I've exhausted my list here of questions for them. Well, I could keep talking a little bit. I had, I wanted to say something is that, you know, the interesting thing about the Catholic Church that's very appealing to me is the magisterium. Um, and I think um, that vacuum, there was that vacuum with 
evangelicals and uh you know who filled that about five years ago was the guy in the white house with the orange hair <laughs> was the evangelical magisterium uh you know that my point in saying define magisterium perry just define like what like like the 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 big body of of, of doctrine beliefs the authority okay. uh what we what we believe um and my point in saying that is that that I think that was a that 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 was I think one of the negative things about the Reformation is that we you lost that <clears throat> that authority that comes with the church that comes with the with the leadership in the church. Not necessarily like I don't agree necessarily that uh, oh we should have stayed uh, submitted to the Pope, um, but I just wonder if we we really could use something like that again where. We have an evangelical or a Protestant, even an ecumenical body. That I think we're seeing more of that, uh, where they're coming, where we're having a Protestant ecumenical, like uh, all sorts of denominations coming together and and saying, "This is what we believe as Protestants. This is how we should live as Protestants. This is how we should live as Christians." Uh, you know, we, I think we've been seeing that, like with the evangelicals and Catholics coming together in the '90s and coming up with that statement. But uh, I honestly think that. Uh, Trump uh, filled that void, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, I I hope that that can be a part of the future of Protestantism is that um, that there can be th- that doctrinal unity, um, but I don't I'm not sure because when we think about what unites Protestants, well, what does unite Protestants? I think it's more like you have your even you have your mainliners like. Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians, and then you have your spirit-filled Presbyterians and uh, your moderate evangelicals and your conservative evangelicals. Like we're just very tribalistic, I think, in Protestantism. Um, you know, Barry, that's a very good observation. I'm I'm writing an article for a an organization about um, diversity and understanding that there is something in the human mind that resists authority. Big surprise what that is, right? Um, and we don't want, and my concern, you know, does Protestantism reflect the worst of us? That our need for, you know, we want conformity, but only on our terms, right? I want everybody in my church to dress like me, act like me, talk like me. Um, I don't want, you know, your church to be my church. And denominations are a celebration of our need for conformity, not diversity. Because I want, I need mm. people to conform to my way of thinking. So I gather my few friends around me who think, and so it's an expression of conformity. People say, well, you know, it's an expression of God. No, it, it's my need for conformity. Um, is Protestantism at its worst an expression of my rebellious heart? You know, who is Lord? And you're right, Pierre. I think we do need to be in a place of submission. So, so as, as our denomination grew, we mm-hmm. submit to uh, the constituted authority of our denomination. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Our, our ruling governance is the membership of the church that makes decisions, and I have to submit to their authority. You know, mm-hmm. Now, in different denominations, it would be different. And then our church submits to the authority of the district, and the district submits to the authority of the national body, the national membership. Right? So we're always having these submissions of authority, but that chafes. And maybe mm-hmm. Protestantism, the worst of Protestantism is our, is our rejection of authority the best of Protestantism is our freedom from authority. We are free. Mm-hmm. 
I, we had recently had a guy at a meeting, you know, quoted judges. Each man did what was right in his own eyes as if that was a good thing <laughs> and, not a and not a curse. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, the Bible says each man did what was right in his own eyes. And the gentleman who was talking to him said, you do know that's a curse, right? Not a blessing because he was doing it as that's what God wants. Well, it sounds yeah. like a good Jeez. episode for another time. Yeah. <laughs> the Reformation made it so that, how do I put it? How do I put this in a cheeky way? The, the Pope, the papacy of every believer? <laughs> yes, I would agree. Hmm. Yeah. And so did the Enlightenment. And if you mm -hmm. want to talk about the fruit of that today, we have, you know, you talk about toxic individualism. Where we, we have moved from collectivist societies to an individualistic societies. We've, we're no longer a shame-based culture. We're no longer a guilt-based culture. We are, um, it was, who wrote The Prince? Machiavelli, who talks about the circle of society where you start with a, a dictator. It turns into an oligarchy, which is the rule of a few, which turns into a democracy, which is the rule of a many, which turns into anarchy, which is the rule of all. And then it will swing back to tyranny again. Because in the midst of chaos, you know, the Soviets taught us that in 1917. In the midst of chaos, dictators rise, right? You know, so we are on, uh, on Machiavelli's clock, where we started with the papacy in the 1500s as, you know, uh, the autocrat. We moved into some form of oligarchy, the bishops, uh, and now we've moved into democracy. But the swing now is into anarchy. And if, you know, to be eschatological, for the one, one antichrist, we have to have anarchy. You know, so I'm pretty optimistic when I see anarchy. I'm going, that means, you know, you know the swing will be to totalitarianism again. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, if Machiavelli is right, if you buy into his wheel, and I, I, could, I, I would argue for it, um, but I think Protestantism is at the six o'clock, and we're moving into the seven or eight. We're moving into anarchy. The fruit mm. of Protestantism is, ooh, that's, I don't know if I want to be that bold, to say the fruit of Protestantism is anarchy. <laughs> but it sure moves You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's um, really the, the same thing that I was thinking, uh, albeit in a bit different terms. Um, you commented on how, uh, you know, as, as people, we tend to chafe against authority and I think it's not that we chafe against authority per se. It's we, we can't decide where that authority belongs. Yeah, um, right. In the, in the medieval times. And this is, I think this is the, the mentality and the culture and the politics that, that enabled the church to become such a powerful force, you know, going into the, the 1500s was the divine right of Kings. And that was something, right. People just believed because they were born into royalty, like God has given them the right to be the supreme rule of, ruler of our country. Um, and, you know, as, as social issues and political issues and, you know, culture issues all have morphed, now we've, we've got this idea of the divine right of the individual. Mm, very good, very good. You know, and, and personal autonomy, uh, which I, I do see it as actually, it's, I mean, we, we don't see full-out anarchy yet, but I, I, I've seen kind of a, a, a social um, reaction against that, especially from the, the political left, um, wanting more government control and wanting to say, we don't like what we're seeing. We're seeing what happens when everybody has authority and we don't like it. 
Mm-hmm. And we want to try to push that authority back onto, you know, at least a group of people and say, no, we're going to put them in charge. We want big government. We want the government to be in charge of stuff. And as conservatives, we, we go, well, that's a terrible idea. Like we're going to dictatorship, but the, the, the difference is, you know, we're, we're pushing for more autonomy and we want democracy. Right. But what we're actually getting is, is either dictatorship or anarchy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the conversation to go this way. (laughs) What was the question again? Uh, Something about Protestantism. Yeah, there you go. Tomorrow. tomorrow. So what are are you all doing to celebrate Reformation Sunday? Anything in your churches? Nothing that I'm a part of, but I don't know. Talk tomorrow. I'll have to ask my church and see if they know what Reformation Sunday is. (laughs) Perry, Cele- you got to be doing something. Celebrating All Saints Day. There you go. At my Anglo-Catholic church. <laughs> what saint are you going to dress up as? <laughs> <laughs> that was a serious question, Saint Perry. Perry. Sir, I didn't hear you. Oh, well, uh, what saint? Go ahead, Drew. What saint are you dressing up as? Yeah. Oh, Saint Perry. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that was humble. <laughs> so you are the patron saint of... Podcasters. Podcasters. Oh, <laughs> nice, Darwin. Nice. Way to go. That's wonderful. Well, how should we end that there, Perry? Do you have any other uh, concluding thoughts? We should give these guys some concluding thoughts. So can... I think they should have the last word. Yeah. If you guys make any, any concluding thoughts you want to end this conversation, anything else you want to add? Any other thoughts you had? I think you've taken this in the healthy direction that we need to redeem the idea of Protestantism as a positive force, not as a mm-hmm. negative force, that we don't spend our lives looking at someone's theology to pick the part and say, I don't like that. Hmm. Rather than saying, A, here's common ground, as, as Perry, you mentioned, you know, uh, meeting with your, with your Catholic neighbors. Where is the common ground of ministry and service here? What is it we truly represent? And if we as Protestants can say we represent the priesthood of believers, you have the authority under Christ to come to the throne, you know, the authority mm. of scripture over your own opinions and your own experiences. Um, and this whole idea of um, the supremacy of grace. Mm-hmm. But again, what is the means of grace? Perry, are you going to have communion tomorrow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the means of grace. <laughs> Discussion for another day. Yeah, I, I hope that conversations like this redeem Protestantism as a force mm. that is pro not a force that is rah rah i'm against whatever mm. yeah That's despite despite yeah, protest yeah. being the core yeah it's hard to get away core from of the word, word. Yeah. yeah yeah we gotta yeah. redeem that word yeah you know everything's worth redeeming and i mm. think our history is worth redeeming because mm. as a as an anabaptist my family was killed by both lutherans and catholics right mm. yeah they were drowned by one and burned by the other mm. so, mm-hmm. so you know there's a dark history there and we need to redeem that mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. for sure uh, Darwin, do you have any concluding thoughts? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I think what I would add to that is just that, um, you know, something that the the reformers were all about uh, was this idea of being constantly reforming, you know, mm. as Protestants, as, um, you know, people who we have this tradition behind us of the Reformation. Uh, I think it's important for us to, as Protestants, um, I would maybe not say keep protesting, 
uh, necessarily, but keep reforming. Right. Right. And, and that's something that, you know, even, even if we're Catholic, like there, there's an important um, reminder looking at history that we need to keep reforming um, and, and becoming, you know, individually more Christ-like, but as a church, we need to be uh, working together to, to be more faithful to God, more faithful yeah. to scripture, um, less faithful to our, ourselves, our own interpretations, our own traditions. Um, yeah, we need to, to not elevate those things. And even the good things, you know, that we've, that we've seen happen and we need to not elevate those things above uh, our commitment to scripture, but more importantly, our commitment to Jesus Christ and to his commission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And that's like, that needs to be what defines us uh, as Protestants. And I think that needs to be what defines us as Christians, uh, Protestant or Catholic. Would it be more helpful if we called ourselves reformers? Because I really like it. You take the form of something, which is the Catholic Church, and you reform it, you reshape it. It's almost a more redemptive word than protest. I want to mm -hmm. be a reformer. Uh, yeah. To reform my denomination. Mm -hmm. to, to reform, you know, my life, whatever. That's really good, Darwin. That's excellent. Yeah, maybe we're more reformers than protesters. Hmm. Let's bring it back. Let's change it. it starts with us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The reformers' uh, reformation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perry, you got anything else you want to add to the conversation? Conclude with? I think, as Darwin was talking, I was thinking about what Paul says in pastoral letters. He says to Timothy, "Fight the good fight, fight, guard the deposit." And I really think that sums up what it means to be a Protestant: is that we're we're trying to hold dear to the faith. So, that's my last word. Perfect. Well, I will close this out here then. Thank you everyone for listening to the podcast today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Darwin, for your time. We do appreciate you taking time out of your your schedules to be on the podcast. And I know our listeners will. I'm high numbers for this episode. I, I have good hopes. Good hopes. <laughs> uh, please, uh, you listeners, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast as it helps get the word out. And if you think this was beneficial or you have any comments for for these guys or for Perry or I, just uh, put a comment on Facebook, Twitter, wherever we are. You know where we are. And yeah, let us know what you think about this conversation, about Protestantism, what you did for Protestant Sunday. If your church celebrated or noticed For Reformation it. Sunday. Yes, yes, sorry. Reformation. Sorry, I'm trying to bring the word back. I'm just not doing a very good job. <laughs> um, yeah, until next time, everyone. Keep pondering. Keep pondering.